your eyes and imagine the smell of rain on morning earth, fresh brewed chai, blooming peonies in a well-tended garden. Can you see it? Almost taste it? We use our senses to create home, the place where we feel joy and belonging. In life's journey, what we think of as our home evolves. We build new homes from our dreams, sacrifices, and journeys of miles and years. And for Indianapolis immigrants, home goes by many names. I'm Erica Irish, and in this podcast by the Indianapolis Public Library, we're learning what home means to Indy's immigrant community. Through their diverse lived experiences, we'll see how, rather than exchanging an old home for a new one, immigrants create a powerful new idea. That home is so much more than a place. Okay, hi everyone. I am here with Quan Huey. He's a friend that I made, I feel like, a long time ago when he reached out to me to do some work for the Chinese New Year. And that is how I met you. And we work together to create a virtual celebration uh, for the Year of the Ox. Start by telling me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, um, how long you've been here. Yes, yes. Uh, this is, a, uh, I think, a very uh, basic question for me. Uh, I have been in this great nation for th- no, 50 Three years. Fifty-three. Five, three. Fifty-three. Okay. I came in in the fourth semester of 1968 as a foreign student. A university? Yeah, university foreign student. The reason is that in Hong Kong, during that time, uh, Hong Kong has a uh, over two million population. Mm-hmm. But the the chance of getting into the Hong Kong University is very, very small. I just made a quick calculation uh, comparing to the number of students in Hong Kong University versus the over 2 million people. Uh, the percentage is 0.1%. Mm. Okay? 0.1% of the population got into an undergraduate university. Yeah. So you can imagine how competitive. I mean, I wasn't a uh, uh, among those uh, best student candidates. I was okay, you know. Mm-hmm. So for people like us, you know, there's no chance to get into the college education in Hong Kong during those times, old time. So the only way myself and my friends, the majority, have uh, need to uh, uh, go overseas in order to seek a college education, okay? Many of them comes to America, yeah. okay? And some goes to uh, Britain, mm. some goes to Australia, okay? Uh, a lot of people come to the U.S. because U.S. is a free and very open um, country. People just feel that a lot of opportunity here. Did you apply other places or you just applied there? I only focus on America. Okay. <laughs> America, including a few uh, Canadian, very limited Canadian mm-hmm. universities, but the majority of my applications are in 
the U.S. colleges, U.S. Okay. colleges. I don't know how many schools I apply. Quite, quite a good number. Quite a good so number. You came when you were still in college. Oh uh, no, I came here when I finished high school in Hong Kong. High school. I finished high school in Hong Kong, and then worked for well maybe one and a half years or so as a laboratory assistant in the Hong Kong high school. Okay. Hong Kong high school, and then uh, uh, and then I you know during that one and a half year I started applying communicating with U.S. colleges. Okay. Uh, submit my application. You know, things in this time, in those old time, you know, mm -hmm. depends on airmail. Everything yes. is so slow, you know, <laughs> yes. to get a response. Mm -hmm. It took me about 10 days to send it for them to, to the mail to get there and then they process it and then the time when I come back to me, mm -hmm. oh, we'll talk about two months. Uh, yes. It's not like now, you know, now an email <laughs> instantaneous. Yes. You know, so uh, I, I did apply for quite a number of good schools, but a few schools uh, gave me, offered me uh, financial aid. I don't call it a scholarship, I call it more of a financial aid. And during those early time in the United States, uh, getting a financial aid or a scholarship for students are not that difficult as nowadays. Mm. Nowadays, oh, I heard about the concerts. Terrible. You have to, you have to be accomplished in many things in order to. Yes, to very get, competitive. Oh, very competitive. Yes. In those early days, uh, many of my uh, of my uh, friends, you know, who, 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 who graduated from high schools uh, when they apply abroad, especially in the U.S., many of them did some kind of uh, financial aid. Okay. Some kind. Okay. Now, uh, I am perhaps one of the most lucky kids. Oh, why? I'll tell you why. Number one, uh, there are two colleges uh, gave me, or two colleges gave me full tuition for the first semester. Okay. First semester. So what I have to, to pay is my own living expenses, room and board. Room and board. And so so I, I picked the one in New York City because I have a relative in New York City. Mm. And the college gave me the first semester full tuition. I live in a dormitory. I have to pay my own, uh, own room and board. Uh, but, but they told me that if I made a grade, that I may get a full support from the second semester, which I did. Yes, of course. So you got the second you know? semester too. I mean, uh, for 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 students coming from places like Hong Kong, mm -hmm. getting a decent to good grade is is no problem. I tell you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, in Hong Kong, you know, a student will push, being pushed a lot. Okay, even during our time, mm -hmm. you know. So getting a uh, decent grade, a good grade, is not that not that not that difficult for Hong Kong students. It's you grow up with it, so it's part. Oh of yeah, it. grow up with that kind of a uh, uh, under academic pressure. Yes, you know? here in the, in the US. <laughs> oh, I, I, I thought, hey, you know, go to college so damn easy. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very easy for you. Uh I don't feel pressure. Put it that mm. way. Well, you have to work, of course. 
especially you want to uh, get the, the, the more assistance, finances help, uh, you have to put some extra extra effort, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not like that, you know. It's not something you go to party every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but we did have party every weekend, I tell you. I want to go, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a very... Oh, beautiful, delightful, call it a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I think that was part of my best time in my whole <laughs> life was undergraduate in U.S. University. So it was in New York City? New York City. What college was okay. it? Okay, it was Long Island University. Okay. Long Island University. So the second semester, I start making a full support. What it means that tuition? room and bath, I don't have to pay my room and food, mm-hmm. and also uh, health insurance included. But health insurance is a very tiny thing yeah. during those times. Yeah. It was nothing, not, not, not like nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the U.S. Uh, during those times is uh, very different from U.S. nowadays mm-hmm. because of competition, because of the economy, you know. Uh, well, put it that way, U.S. is still... The number one country in the world, but during those times, U.S. has no competitor, I tell you. U.S. was the strongest. Mm. U.S. is a model of the, of yeah. the whole country. So it, there's some international chance that, it, that relates to what we are living nowadays, you know. It affects our daily life, mm-hmm. you know. So... Uh, start well. Anyway, let me go back to myself. <laughs> I don't want to get into politics or international <laughs> politics. So I, I was one of those luckiest kids. Got full support from the college until I got my undergraduate bachelor's degree. You know how how fortunate, yes. right? How fortunate. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I tell kids nowadays, they don't believe that. Mm-hmm. They say, "Hey, are you sure?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you see how different the world is. So after I finished, uh, somehow uh, I wasn't happy to just leave and then get a job. I continued to go to a graduate school. Uh, no one asked me. I just come for myself, you know. You wanted to continue, and I just want to continue. I just find hey, not 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 bad, right? Maybe it's a free <laughs> free stipend, so easy. <laughs> because it was, yeah. Maybe that's the incentive. You didn't have to pay, so right. yeah, you Maybe kept that's going. Incentive, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. So I uh, went into a Catholic university, St. John's University. It's still in New York City, uh, a part of Long Island. Okay. You know? But still, within New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went into the College of Pharmacy. Uh, 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 I changed the topic. My, my major, I, I was a chemistry major when I was undergraduate. And then when I went to graduate school, I become a pharmacology okay. major in the College of Pharmacy. Oh, it was uh, crazy. I start all over again with those uh, pharmacy, pharmacology courses, starting from the undergraduate, make up those undergraduate requirements. Okay. Very, very difficult. Very, yes. very difficult. You know, when I think back, I simply didn't know how could I made it. Basically, it repeats quite a bit of the undergraduate required courses, mm-hmm. and then going to 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 move on to the graduate courses, lecture courses. Okay, but I made it, 
Uh, I took my PhD uh, in pharmacology in six years. Eventually, six, it took me six years. Okay. To finish your PhD? Yeah, to get my okay. PhD. From I got into St. John the first day to the time when I got my PhD degree, it took me six years. Six years. Uh, six years is not too long for a PhD because it varies. Some people can get in four years, some people even longer. Mm -hmm. you know? The PhD degree has no really no rigid schedule when you can make it, depending how... On your research? Uh, yeah, your research and also quite a bit of your, your mentor, mm. your mentor's attitude. Some mentor could be a little bit more... Uh, Release you <laughs> a little bit earlier. Yeah. Some can hold you a little bit longer time. Okay. And also depends on what kind of uh, curriculum, you know, you, you, you're in, you see. Yeah. So it took me six years to uh, finish. Uh, again, you know, in, in, uh, in uh, a graduate school, uh, a lot of people got a stipend, living stipend, working as a teaching assistant. Those are normal. Almost everybody ha has mm -hmm. that kind of stipend. So there's no problem uh, on basic living need. The stipend enough for me to hire, I mean, not to hire, but to rent a small, tiny studio apartment. Okay. And full, so you, you were know. a teacher's uh, assistant? Oh, yeah. As yeah, well? so, yeah. I work okay. as a teaching graduate. A teaching, yeah. Teaching assistant okay. as a graduate student in St. John. And that by contract, I'm, I was being paid a, mm -hmm. a stipend to cover my basic need. So again, the second time that I really don't have a a a, a kind of a critical pressure on me mm -hmm. uh, on financial situation. Okay, of course I don't have a, a much of extra pocket money. Okay, but the basic needs all covered. Yes, you had so, everything covered. Right, covered the basic need to be students so I can focus on my school work. But I did work part time uh, during a weekend in restaurants, though, oh. you know, to make some, some pocket money. Yes. Because stipend, you know, you cannot have too much to go to party, you know? How <laughs> <laughs> to go with girlfriend, right? Yes. <laughs> you need money, right? <laughs> and also, you know, I need money. At that time, I bought a a a, a second-hand car. Oh, what car was it? Oh, I tell you, it was a, a muscle car. It was a Oldsmobile uh -huh. 442. Do you know 442? Oldsmobile 442? Check it. I will. Now it's a classic. Oh. It's collectible now. A muscle car, eight-cylinder, it can run at that time, it, it can run up to 120 miles an hour. It's a gas guzzler, you know, that kind of powerful muscle car. Mm -hmm. You know, during my, my, my period when I was young, you know, muscle car is a, a fancy thing for young people, but <laughs> <laughs> not nowadays, okay? Yes. <laughs> so that was your first car? Uh, yes, that was my first car. About a used car, second hand. Yes. But very clean though. Mm -hmm. Very clean, very clean. I think it was just two years old. Oh. And very pretty. Red body, <laughs> white vinyl top, uh -huh. two doors. Mm. You know, very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> very attractive. Yeah. So uh, those that come from my uh, restaurant. From your uh, restaurant work and your Working. Mm -hmm. yeah. For your so, extra salary. Uh, yeah, extra. Uh, again, it was pretty fun, I would say. Okay. 
Now, after I got uh, my uh, PhD degree, uh, I didn't stop either. I got somehow I got an opportunity. Uh, got in the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Harvard Medical School in Boston, mm -hmm. and also uh, Gen Massachusetts General Hospital. Okay, as a postdoctoral fellow there. Okay. Somehow, uh, the reason the two institute by name, although it was one job, it was the Harvard system. Okay. The system, the medical school system. That once when you are in that, uh, in the Harvard medical school, you are instantaneously belonging to the Mass General Hospital. Okay. Okay. So that is the system. It's not because I made two. No. It was a, like a partnership with them. Uh, it was a uh, the the Harvard Medical System. Okay. How how whether they are partnership, I I, yeah. I, I'm, I don't know. But what I'm saying is, that for folks like me who got into that system, mm -hmm. automatically they said you belong to Harvard Medical School, you belong to Massachusetts General Hospital. It wasn't just a system. Okay. Okay, although there are two institutes, not because I made two institutes. You see what I mean? It was a system that was called a research fellow in Harvard Medical School and also in uh, Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. Okay, okay. so uh, it usually took two years to finish the postdoctoral training. And after that, uh, oh, well, when you're postdoc, you also have a contract. You're being paid a stipend, slice graduate school. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's no no problem to cover the basic uh, living uh, expenses. Okay, and when I finish uh, two years postdoc, uh, they retain me as a uh, research fellow. Just a change of title, same job, mm -hmm. changing a title. But they extended your your stay there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. They're happy to, to retain me. A lot of people leave after the two years, but some people like me, uh, they're happy to keep me there. Okay. Uh, basically, the, the pay is uh, almost the same or a little bit in, in, in increase. No big, not a, not a big jump. But the point is, uh, again, my basic living expenses are being taken care of. So I can, again, focus on my academic. Mm -hmm. uh, in Harvard, the academic work is really your, just your research. pure research. Yeah, you just do research. research, research, research every day, every night. Uh, stay in the laboratory overnight all the time to continue the research, wow. you know. And I was happy with that. No problem. You know, I was a young man at that time, you know. So uh, that was how, uh, and then after four years in my uh, research fellowship, oh, a, an opportunity shows up from Eli Lilly. Mm -hmm. One day, the Lilly upper management called my boss, my research boss. Uh, he, he was a, a well-respected top uh, uh, scientist, you know, so everybody know him. Uh, he, he, uh, my, my boss, uh, his name is uh, Eka Haber. Eka Haber, H-A-B-E-R, Everybody know him in the, in the life science, medical science, you know. Uh, he told me, hey, Kwan, 
uh, Lily just called me. Uh, they said, hey, they read your paper. I published the paper. Mm -hmm. They said, they read your paper. They're interested in you. Would you like to go for, uh, for an interview? I said, hmm? Where? He said, Indianapolis. Oh, Indianapolis? Where is it? I don't know, Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah. I never heard of that. <laughs> but anyway, he said, oh, I mean, the, the ethics are already booked for you. You know, the hotel is booked for you. You want to go? Just go to the Hey, why not? Just take a yeah. weekend and a vacation, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Everything's ready. Just take a look, you know. So I came through over here. It was actually they they they, they pay for my my wife too and my kid. Oh, for the whole thing. Everyone came. Yeah. So we were just saying, hey, let's let's go there for vacation. I weekend. <laughs> it's it's paid for you. Yeah, we it's paid for hotel, anyway. Flight. Who cares? All right. <laughs> yes. You know, it's a free trip. So I came in here, I interviewed, it was a two-day interview, pretty oh. vigorous. I see a lot of people, yeah. you know, and also make a presentation, you know, uh, scientists asking me questions, this and that, mm. you know. Uh, so uh, by the end of the second second day, before I I leave the company, I know they, they like me, uh, okay, they're happy with me. Yes. And uh, before I walk out, you know, it's like, hey, Juan, you are 10 years old. The HR told me that. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I got a job. I got a job. Especially he said, you are 10 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, that word is, is not unusual for companies like Eli Lilly during those times. During those times. Now, it's entirely it's difficult different. to get tenure. Oh, yeah. almost no such thing. You know, so at that time, you know, the world is different. The U.S. corporation, the attitudes are different. Yeah. Of course, the business is different, right? So, uh, all right, you know, and they offer me a Shirley, uh, which is uh, at least what Harvard made me, uh, paid me. Oh, I said, wow, not bad. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. So, so, so I decided to took the offer and, and, and came to uh, in Annapolis. It was uh, starting my job in Eli Lilly. It was January 1988. More Than a Place is made possible by the Indianapolis Foundation Library Fund through a grant to the Indianapolis Public Library Foundation. When did you retire? Ah, uh, 2007 or 2008. I okay. checked the date. So it's been quite a while. 2007 or 2008? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because at that time, I remember that the U.S. economy is running into a problem. You know, a couple of years later, uh, it's, there was a the economic meltdown. Remember that, that word, mm -hmm. meltdown? Mm -hmm. And big corporations like Eli Lilly, you know, all big corporations, they, they can for, foresee what's coming. So uh, not only Lilly, but all yes. these big companies, they, they can tell. They can tell. So they, everybody planning to uh, cope with this kind of expected meltdown and to encourage one way is to to have people employees to leave because the 
the generally mm-hmm. and the support. So the first thing is that they, they, they encourage people to, to leave and uh, offering an attractive package. So I said, well, I look at the package. I'm not very greedy. It seems to be pretty okay, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. If I work the same for another two or three years, I basically get the same thing. The same thing, yeah. So why not just stay home? And you. <laughs> and, and, and the other thing that makes me decide is I always dream of of uh, building myself a dream garden for myself. Okay, that always was... Always in my dream. Always you had always dream. envisioned it. Right, always yeah. expecting one day I have to, oh, mm-hmm. uh, build my own dream garden. I said, oh, here's an opportunity. Yeah. I, and I'm now you, show you later. Now you have it. Uh, and that... Yeah. That's how you ended up here in Indianapolis. Oh, yeah, yeah. End up because of a great opportunity mm-hmm. uh, offered from Eli Lilly. Okay, I was and you said um, you brought, so your son was born in New York? Oh, my son was born in uh, Boston. 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 Uh, uh, when he was, he, he was maybe a, a, a toddler. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he also... Uh, 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 we we came to 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 Carmel right away from Boston. Mm-hmm. So he was in the in a in the Carmel school system all the way until he finished, and then he went to Boston State University for college. Mm-hmm. And after he graduated, oh, it took him six years to get his undergraduate degree. <laughs> it was totally unacceptable <laughs> to my generation. I tell yes. you. Yes. Very different. Kids nowadays, they say, hang in the car, don't, don't want to leave. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, you, you have a, you have a two kids. You, you will see that later. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> you will see. You will see. You're American born, you know, they take things very, very relaxed. Yeah, sure. relax. It's okay one more year. Yeah, that's okay. No big deal. It wasn't and rushed, you know? For you, you were... For me, when I was at college, I wish I could finish in two years. <laughs> <laughs> and he took six, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, he finished it, and then he find himself uh, stay in Boston. Uh, no, not Boston. Boston Ball State University. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember how many years he stayed there. He liked it. He liked it. Uh, maybe at least four years, if not five years. <laughs> okay, and then he, he, he eventually got himself out when he probably got tired of it. <laughs> He said enough. Well, uh, yeah. So, Juan, so then you graduated high school and right. then came straight to the United States. Right. So you were 18? Oh, no. Uh, I uh, finished high school in ni- na- 19 years old. 19 years old. So you okay. were 19 when you moved. Uh, no. I worked for one and a half years as a, remember that I said, uh, I work as a laboratory assistant in, in high Hong school Kong? in Hong yeah. Kong. Okay, okay. Uh, at least one and a half year. So at the time when I came to the U.S., I was uh, uh, practically 22, uh, close okay. to 22. And you met your wife here? Oh, yeah. Okay. I met my wife in New York City okay. when I was a graduate student okay. uh, in, uh, in, in St. John's University, you know. Uh, you know, in big cities like like New York or San Francisco, mm-hmm. you, you have all kinds of uh, people come all over the world. Yes. Not, not like Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you the situation. If you are Chinese, 
you don't need to speak English in New York City. Yes. Yeah. If you if you are, 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 are from South America, you don't need to speak English. No, you, you don't speak need. Spanish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see that, yeah, right? Yeah. Yes. So uh, <laughs> this is very typical in all big cities in uh, in America. Okay. So there's a big population in uh, a, a big population of Chinese in 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 New York City, and there's a lot of activities, you mm-hmm. know, in the Chinese community. And that's how we met. In activities, community activities, or school activities, you know, in New York, the college student, oh, if you want to go to uh, Chinese parties, there's no no problem. <laughs> Every week, <laughs> there's something to do with. The oh, there's Chinese always community. some activity going on. Yeah, for the for the New York City Chinese students, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I met my wife. Uh, she came from Taiwan. Okay. She got a. Uh, Degree, college degree from Taiwan. Okay, uh, so eventually we have our own family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So since you came when you were twenty, what is your connection to China right now? Do you oh, have any? Oh, uh, I have absolutely no connection with China. Nothing. Nothing. No, absolutely. I learned about China from media like you guys, <laughs> or yeah. uh, I joined the tour a number of times, quite a number of times. The tool is a toolist for sightseeing. Imagine that uh, my family, my, my parents left China mm-hmm. when the communist uh, government took over. Okay. Okay. So at that time, I was just a toddler. No, nothing. Mm-hmm. Oh, very vague, put it that way. Yeah. Very vague. So we have to, we have to leave. We have to basically run for our life, mm-hmm. put it that way. Where did you go, or where did your parents go? Oh, she came to Hong Kong, right? We, we, we fled to Hong Kong. Basically, the word F-L-E-D is the right word mm. to fled to Hong Kong because the new government took over. Uh, we are, those people need to run. If we do not run, I don't know what will be the consequence. Mm. You can imagine that, okay? <clears throat> so, for me, I have very little... Well, I have no living ex- experience in China anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my experience in China is uh, listening, uh, I mean, from newspaper, mm-hmm. even in Hong Kong, you know. Hong Kong was a British colony, right, at that yes. time. Uh, but Hong Kong, culture-wise, it is purely traditional Chinese culture because the majority of the people, 99%, at least in my time, are Chinese people. Yeah. Uh, two comment. million people, two million people are all two million people fled from mainland mm-hmm. China to Hong Kong. To Hong Kong. There's no such thing as local people in Hong Kong. Yeah. There's no such thing. There may be maybe a few thousand local fishermen, the parents that the, the ancestors were here, but a few thousand only, you know, practically. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the entire Hong Kong population are people uh, run away from. Uh, when 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 the new China established, everybody has to leave. Well, our family to, is one of those. To Hong okay. Kong. Right. So the answer to the question, yeah. Well, I'm ethnic Chinese. I was brought up in the in the traditional Chinese culture. Okay, but a very different economic, very different political and government system from China. Yes. The way I understand it is totally through. Media and my 
experience as a tourist. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And nowadays, we don't have any connection in China. Either. No. IC is not connected with China. IC is not connected with uh, Chinese consulate in Chicago, no. It's just people who live here in Indiana. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, we are, we are, we are, we are who's uh, Chinese? Yeah. We are American Chinese. Yes. Talking about here or Indianapolis, Carmel, Indiana, um, why did you decide to stay here or create a community here? Oh, why I stay in Indiana? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, I come to Indiana, I answer, of course, because of for, the job. For reason. the job. Okay. Which is a good job. Uh, pay pretty good, comparing to what I had when yeah. I was uh, in academia. Okay. Uh, number two. When I came to move to, before I moved in, in, in Indiana, I did talk to the Lily uh, Chinese uh, employees. Okay. At that time, there are not too many Chinese here. Maybe a dozen or less than a yeah. dozen Chinese uh, employees here. At Lily. Oh, at Lily. And the majority of them are in the research scientist area. So I talked to quite a good number of them. Uh, most of them say, well, if you, if you have kids, maybe you, you, you may want to pick Carmel mm-hmm. because, well, it kind of, uh, I don't quite absolutely agree, but people have a kind of a mm-hmm. mind that, oh, well, Carmel is known to have a good school system. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, I, I tell you, this is not really necessarily true, though. It is just a concept of a lot of people or prejudice, mm. you know. Uh, so I, at that time, I listened to 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 the call. I mean, my colleagues, colleague colleagues to be. Yes. And so I came into living in Carmel, picked Carmel as my uh, residence. Was it hard to find good Chinese restaurants or food that really represented, um, uh, I guess, what you grew up eating yeah, at home? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me go back, you know, the time when I came to Indiana, at least the first 10 years or 15 years, I'm not aware of any restaurant that I I was happy with. Mm. And this they was were, like 80, 90s, right? Because you came in right, 88, so it was like... Right, right, right. At that time, you know, we didn't even have a decent Chinese grocery. Oh, when I need to have a Chinese cruise, I, I need to drive to New York, uh, not New York, Chicago, Chicago yeah. Chinatown, to load up my trunk <laughs> yes. with a soy sauce, all kinds of sauce, and Chinese fresh vegetable, and always bringing a whole case of, a, of a food from, from Chicago, from Chinese restaurants, including oh. a couple of roast ducks. Oh, yes, roast ducks. Roast ducks, okay. okay. Oh, for quite a number of years. <laughs> you uh, would drive just, oh, yeah. just to go shopping just for food? Just to go for that, just for Chinese food. Mm. Uh, but So you say you did that for like 10 years? Oh, said? at least 10 or 15 years. Oh, like wow. <laughs> and then uh, I, I forgot exactly what, what year, but gradually there were more and more Chinese grocery stores. Yeah. Uh, start with a tiny small one. Mm-hmm. Right, and then a bigger and bigger one. It started uh, with like family stores, right? Oh, they're all family stores. Anyway. Yeah, they're all yeah, family yeah, yeah. stores. But they are now getting so big that uh, they some of them can be called supermarket nowadays. Oh, 
it. Yeah. Okay, like, like the Asia, Asia Mart, across Koga, okay. uh, not Koga, uh, Costco, okay, Asia Mart. Asia Mart, yeah. And also, uh, there's a even bigger one, uh, what is it, uh, wet, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, a Vietnamese Chinese owns that, now it's just like a, a supermarket. Okay. And also now, you know, uh, next to that restaurant uh -huh. we ate, uh, the Saraga, yes. owned by a Korean family. Oh, that was huge. That yeah. is huge. Huge. And they have two stores, I think. Saraga has one in the south side, too. Oh, I, I'm not surprised they have yeah. two or even more. They mm -hmm. have been very successful. And Saraga carries a lot of different ethnic food, too. Yes, not, not just Chinese, Chinese, yeah. But also a Mexican food, South yeah. American food. Mm hmm in fact, uh, South American customers are the main customers nowadays. For Saraga? Yes. Oh. Right. Saraga. Yeah. Most of the customers are uh, South American, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but they, 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 do, they, have good, they do have a lot of, uh, of items. I, I, I like the seafood particularly. <laughs> so many different fresh, fresh seafood. Fresh seafood, Frozen yeah. and fresh. Oh, an endless list. Mm -hmm. he, 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 very big. Yeah, that's where my, my dad buys this. When what? he cooks seafood, he buys yeah, it in Saraga. Exactly. Fresh, yes. fresh yeah, seafood. Yeah, yeah. Very appealing. And it's interesting. When we came in 97, 1997, mm -hmm. and we still there, we didn't have that many like grocery stores, right, Mexican right, grocery stores. Oh, yeah. I remember um, that. But you, now it's very different. Now it's very now, different. There's no problem. <laughs> now, yeah. Now, now we no don't have problem. to go to Chicago. You don't have to, to eat. right. And I think I remember we ate, we didn't go for 15 years, but maybe yeah, we went once or twice to Chicago to like right. eat Mexican food yeah, yeah. because we didn't really have sure, restaurants here. Have so, right. but you did it for a longer time. Yeah. <laughs> so the situation, oh, changed a lot, improved a lot. Uh -huh. Nowadays, uh, grocery is absolutely not a problem. Ethnic yeah. grocery food, you know, Chinese or Mexican, absolutely no problem, mm -hmm. you know. And also for restaurant eating, uh, we we still don't have too many so-called authentic Chinese restaurants here. Uh, but at least as far as the southern style Chinese food, uh -huh. which is called people call it Cantonese style. Uh, now the the one we went to Lucky Lao uh -huh. is a very good one. Yeah, very good one. I don't say. Uh, for for the dishes, I don't say hundred percent. Probably eighty percent authentic Chinese. But for the dim sum, those we ate, yes, they're very good. It, they are very good, very authentic. That reminds you of Hong Kong or like the food, or not really? Uh, well, they're comparable. Put yeah. it that way. Okay, so it of course they it are gets not very close. Oh yeah, 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 close enough that I'm happy with. Put it that way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I guess uh, when you think about the concept of home, then what what do you think about, or where is home? For what you? is home? Yeah, home is a place that I'm happy to settle for the rest of my life. Uh huh. Number one. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, here my home. Here, uh, this is my home. Where we where are. You're sitting here now. <laughs> yes. This is my home. This is Central Indiana. Mm -hmm. The horses stay. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm also lucky to have a home with a pretty good wheel, yes. good size. Uh, I told my wife, 
Uh, I said, well, I'm not going to leave. Uh, maybe joking, <laughs> but I said, well, if I don't exist, all you need is to take a hole there in my yard. <laughs> but that's his joke. Yes. <laughs> it just tells you how much I love this home. Yes. I love this I mean, home. you've created... So th is this where you live? You came? This is where the only home you've lived in or here in Carmel or... Uh, no. Uh, I, uh, you know, there, there's a little story here. When I came, moved from Boston to Carmel, mm -hmm. I was living down the street. Okay. Right in front of my main door, there's a there's a street, uh, a, a, a short street right in front. Uh -huh. Okay, at the end of the street is a court cell, a court. I I, I lived there. Okay, uh, I bought a house over there, and in the court cell, uh, pretty decent area. And here, the former owner, original owner, again was my uh, lily colleague. A generation older than me. Okay, so the time, so we, because we are still neighbors, so sometimes I come and say hello, you know, have a cup of tea, talk. You know. I saw, now this is an older neighborhood. Okay. <clears throat> it's a 40 something year old neighborhood in Kabul. Okay, Kamo. okay. It's not like the new neighborhood, mm -hmm. new subdivision. Uh, there's something good about old neighborhood, I'll tell you later. When I came to this house, I. Uh, my friend's got David and uh, his uh, wife uh, Lillian. Uh, both, oh, David worked for AT and T. Lillian uh, was, was my uh, my lady colleagues. Okay, so I came in sometimes see them. I was admiring that the piece of property, uh, very big. This 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 lot one point five acre. Oh. A lot bigger than the average homes yeah. in this uh, neighborhood. In this area, the yeah. region here, you can see that there is a peninsula stretching out into the lake. I see. That makes it double the size of everybody else here. Mm. So I was admiring. Wow. Space. Uh, in my mind, I never say that in front of them. You know? <laughs> it's so embarrassing. In my mind, if one day if I have this big lot, that is a perfect place for me to build my dream garden. Yes. You know? At that time, in this lot, absolutely empty. There nothing was nothing. Except trees? a couple of big trees. That's uh -huh. it. Everything else is empty. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, by the waterfront, it was a swamp. A swamp. Waterfront there. Mm -hmm. Uh they, they were not gardeners. There's only reason. They were not gardeners. They're not interested in gardening. It just no. happened that they own a big piece of land. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of them was all swamp of weeds and even snakes, you know, water snakes come up, you know. It was a terrible situation. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I love because it is a big space, a, a, a large area that I think I can convert it into a garden according to what I like. Gardening is, uh, because I think it came from when I was a little kid. Yeah. In a little kid, I always like to plant a little thing here, a little thing there, uh -huh. you know. So that had been part of me since I was a kid, you know. Uh, but I never have a land mm. to really grow something. You know, small plants You had okay. pots. 
Yeah, Paul's in, apprentice, you know. So mm -hmm. it, it was my, my uh, kind of a habit, a hobby. Mm -hmm. Hobby. It's a hobby, put it that way. But it's certainly gardening, certainly it brings to a different topic that I like art. I oh. like art. But let me go back. So uh, this former owner, Lillian and David, one day, uh, they were one generation, uh, work generation, I mean, yeah. work yeah, generation yeah, yeah. Uh, above me. One day when I came in here to, to see them, they said, hey, Quan, I'm retiring. We are retiring. Hey, uh, would you like my property? Oh, wow. <laughs> Dream come true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not even think. My, my answer was spontaneous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I acquired that. Okay. okay. I took over this, you know, and they move out uh, to build something else somewhere else. I just wanted to thank you again for giving us so much information about you and, and the organization you're part of and, and your history and how you got here. Um, so, yeah, so thank you. Hi, everyone. It's Erica, and you're listening to More Than a Place a podcast by the Indianapolis Public Library, produced in partnership with Kendall Antron of the Made in Indy podcast. We couldn't tell the unforgettable stories of our community without your support. Thank you for spending your valuable time with us. To learn more about Indie immigrant leaders like Juan, visit indypl.org slash more than a place. Thanks for listening.